Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Peristyle Podcast Trojan Recruiting Blast. We're doing a full-on recruiting show like we have been for the last several weeks with signing day now, just one day away. we got so much to get to, a bunch of your questions, and so many different scenarios could play out tomorrow on signing day, which is pretty much Christmas for everyone that follows football recruiting, especially for USC right now, a very exciting time. Uh, we got a great show for you. we got Gerard Martinez, who knows more about USC recruiting than pretty much anyone else on the planet. So we're going to talk with him, get his thoughts on what's going on with this USC recruiting class. Obviously, some big news yesterday. Zach Banner picking USC, the five-star offensive tackle, six foot nine, over 300 pounds. So we'll talk to Gerard about that a little bit and get to your questions if you want to email us. It's podcast at uscfootball.com. We also have a new feature where you can... Send us a voicemail right on the Peristyle Podcast page via SpeakPipe, or you can just call us, 206-888-6755. Leave us a voicemail, and we will try to get to your question each and every show. Please let us know who the question's for. If it's for recruiting, you can send it to Gerard or Dan Weber or Coach Harvey Hyde or myself. And as we mentioned, Gerard Martinez is joining the show. He's on with us right now. Gerard, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's uh, Christmas Eve here for Trojan fans, and I would say... It's like Christmas signing days for USC fans and maybe a handful of other schools annually, but not for every fan base. There are fan bases out there that, uh, just like on the field, end up on the opposite side of uh, signing day with uh, recruits not signing with them. But USC has been good enough uh, from a recruiting standpoint for the last decade that it's definitely like Christmas for Trojan fans. You know, they get to uh, check out some of the new players that are going to be lining up for them. And, uh, of course, you know, the imagination runs wild as to how great these players are going to be and who's going to be the next Reggie Bush, who's going to be uh, the next Tyron Smith, who's going to be the next Matt Khalil. So, uh, you know, tomorrow we'll see officially who's a part of that 2012 class, and then everybody crosses their fingers and gets ready for, uh, I guess, what, the, the next Christmas, which would be fall camp, when they actually get to see these players on the field. Exactly. Yeah, we get to see them, you know, during those off-season workouts, and you're trying to find out if kids are enrolled, if they made it in school. So there's all kinds of uh, questions still coming on after Wednesday. But Wednesday is obviously a big day. The first recruiting class that will be under NCAA sanctions. Uh, we talked about Lane Kiffin's plan for, you know, seems like forever, and and we saw it come to fruition last year where they signed a lot of guys, brought in a lot of early enrollees, try to get the numbers up this year. Seems like they're going heavy after offensive linemen. Um, I mean, I guess the the positive for USC fans, Gerard, is that you know on Wednesday, one year of the sanctions of your know, recruiting sanctions are essentially done, and you know there's only two more signing days after that where you have to worry about taking you know 15 guys and being under 75 as opposed to 85. So it's kind of one third of the way through, I guess you could say, after tomorrow. Yeah, definitely, and I think um, you know USC and how they've moved and how they've operated with the sanctions um, thus far, really the early part of it, setting yourself up 
for the three years is really the most important part. And we've said it time and time again, and I'm going to say it again. Lane Kiffin is really probably the best head coach, and he has probably the best coaching staff he could possibly have to be able to operate through these sanctions and to be able to set USC up to get through the next two years. And I think that's what they've done. There's a lot of strategy. There's been a lot of angles played with this in terms of who they can take early and trying to get the most out of, uh, you know, each recruiting class. And so, you know, it's, it's looking like USC is going to do pretty well tomorrow. And, um, and I think they've done pretty well just uh, the last two years in making sure that they're strong and that they still have a solid 75 players to be able to play with. And, you know, if it wasn't true, then we wouldn't make a shirt about it. Right, Ryan? <laughs> That's true. You can check those shirts out at, at r 75 are better than your 85com um, we've been selling a bunch of those. They're doing, they're doing really well. So now it's actually happening. Now we're actually kind of seeing that. Um, well, I wanted to talk about something you put up yesterday. That's a really nice feature that you do every year. Uh, it's the it's the, uh, projections that you do. People ask all the time, you know, throughout the year, what are the chances with this? What are the chances? This is the one story I think every year where you actually put those chances out there. You give every kid that's looking at USC, a percentage and when they're going to sign. And I guess you could start with Zach Banner, who we're going to talk about a little bit, but you projected him to go 90% USC. And then he ended up announcing later on in the day that he was actually going to attend USC. Somewhat of a vulgar prediction for me, because I don't like to put it out there like, hey, this kid 100% is going to USC. Because in one respect, it kind of steals the thunder away from the announcement to some you know degree. And then also... You know, I treat these forecast predictions like weather. And very rarely do you go and see a weather report and see a seven-day forecast and four days out they're calling for rain 100%. You know, usually it's 80% at the most, and you go, okay, it's probably going to rain. If it's 60%, you go, I I better definitely make sure that I have an umbrella. So it's a little more like a weather report. And so 50-50 is not too bad. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, read the piece and were feeling like it was very conservative and and, uh, it it probably wasn't necessarily so optimistic uh, for USC on signing day because there wasn't a bunch of 70s and 80s up there with every single player. But that's not to say that I don't think USC is going to be able to grab a majority of those guys that's on the list. And, you know, you're going down the list. You're talking about Zach Banner. You're talking about Leonard Williams, a 6'5", 255-pound defensive end, slash maybe goes into a defensive tackle uh, from uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. You know, Nelson Aguilar, a guy that we've talked about on the podcast many times, you know, the receiver, five-star from Tampa, Florida. Um, Tariq McCord. You know, he's the other part of the Tampa, too, that officially visited this weekend at USC. And, and so you got guys only down the line, and you give them that forecast, and you give them those percentages, and it is fluid, just like a weather report. It kind of changes, you know, from day to day. Sometimes you get some more information about something. Maybe a kid has a conversation with the coach over the phone. Maybe they actually get to sit down with their coaches and their family and they get to actually go over pros and cons about these schools you know the last few weeks have been a whirlwind for these kids recruiting wise i mean they've been on official visits back-to-back weeks they've had in-home visits every week for the past month and a half and so there's been so much information thrown at them there's been so much going through their heads and there's so many people pulling them in every way now that the dead period has arrived Monday into the the signing day where they don't have to have anybody on campus. They don't have any coaches coming in home. 
and they don't have to look at anybody eye to eye. They still can get phone calls and they can still reach out to coaches, but it's a little less in your face. They have time to kind of sit back and think about this recruiting process and where they really want to go. So, so things start to settle. And while there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, we're hearing saying good things about USC, we're hearing on the low, maybe saying good things to USC, to USC, you're going to have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and let these things settle, and that's kind of where we're going with this uh, forecast piece. It's, you know, there might be some guys there they're in that 50%, 40% range that uh, might end up in the 50%, 60% range by the time we get to sign day. It's a pretty fluid situation. It certainly is, and uh, I guess, you know, as close as a sure thing as you could have got when you put 90% for Zach Banner, what are, what are USC fans getting in this guy? I mean, we saw him down at the Army All-American Bowl, and he's – an absolute beast. <laughs> you know, they're a little raw, I think, at times. And we put up three different pieces on him on uscfootball.com if you want to check it out. There's a highlight video where Mike uh, Farrell from Rivals.com goes over a lot of his, uh, the plus, you know, the, the positives about him as a player. We put up the, uh, the video last night of uh, him announcing and also an interview with him afterwards, an interview with his coach. So there's a lot of good stuff up there on uscfootball.com on Zach Banner, but maybe kind of give people a, uh, an overview of what you think about him. A, they're getting a great person. You know, talking to his coach, watching him down there in San Antonio. You know, down there in San Antonio, you're at a point where you're really at the beginning of the real stressful point of recruiting. When you start to get into January, as I said, with in-home visits and official visits, kids start to get bombarded. And that week down there in San Antonio, they got a lot of autographs they've got to sign. they got a lot of photo ops. Um, there's fans down there that, that just want to see them and want to take pictures with them after practice. And watching Zach kind of just in that environment, you really get to see the guy that you talk to and, and have, you have this impression of uh, as a person is this happy-go-lucky, very positive, um, very, very articulate, smart, good person you get to see it apply to how he interacts with people that are total strangers, and, and it really reinforces your thought, man, this is really not just an asset to USC as a football player, but an asset to USC as a student, and I think that's really important. And watching him just with his teammates on the field, you get a guy who's a leader, um, talked a little bit in the, the free story that we put up after his announcement, you know, there was an episode there in practice where the West practice, I think it was, you know, second practice of the morning, they're a little sluggish, and they had a couple breaks out of the huddle that just weren't real crisp. And Zach Banner really loudly booming with his voice across the practice field, telling his guys that's not good enough, you know, in a very um, uh, uh, kind of a blue-collar way, we'll say. Um, <laughs> he just, you know, let everybody know this was, this was not acceptable. We're being lazy. We've got to pick up the tempo. We've got to be a little more precise and a little more focused on our preparation. And this is, you know, it was kind of little – things that you see that you try to observe with a kid in those instances and in those, in those contexts is where you say, okay, how does that translate to college? You know, how does his personality, how does his disposition really translate to that next level, the Division One level, and you see where a kid like Zach Banner is going to be seamless. You know, now, as you said, on the field, he's raw. He's been playing a lot of basketball his whole life, and playing that basketball has done well for him because he's got great footwork, he's got a great kick slide, um, he's, he's agile. He's got really good balance. You watch a guy that's 6'9 on the football field, he doesn't look out of place. But at the same time, it's kept him away from the weight room. 
Um, it's kept him probably away from being as flexible as he could be. Um, athletically, there's some things that he could definitely work on, and I think just with more time in the weight room and more time uh, working with football and becoming more familiar with his body. And, again, that's just a matter of experience and just getting used to being 6'9". Because, you know, he's 17, 18 years old. I mean, shoot, you're pretty tall, Ryan. You're about 6'3". You know, it takes you a while to kind of grow into your body and become coordinated. So you can imagine a guy that's 6'9 at that age, he still doesn't even know what he can do. And what I've seen from him over the past year at the camps he got better and better with the more coaching he had. And I think it wasn't just the coaching. I think it was also the fact that he started to believe and have confidence in his own physical ability. So you're 6'9". I think, you know, first couple of camps we saw him, he was, he was afraid and, and apprehensive about going against guys who were speed rushers because he's 6'9". He's going, man, this, this kid right here, you know, maybe a 6'2", 210-pound linebacker slash defensive end is trying to just run around him. He kind of gets out of his stance a little too quick. He commits too quick, opens himself up, gets beat inside because he's just too afraid and kind of overcompensates. But as I started to see him through the summer and, and, and work a little more and become a little more confident with football, he started to realize, you know what, I'm 6'9", and I've got a wingspan of a 7-footer at least. I can just grab this dude and pretty much chokehold him and throw him down to the ground. And when he started to do that and becoming more confident with himself, he starts to become more settled in and became a more dominant player. Once we got to the Army All-American week, he had some really dominant sessions, and he had some really, really good plays, and that's why he got bumped up to a five-star. And I think that's really important is just to show that, you know, he's gone from being a guy who was a four-star project. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to see him put it all together and is becoming more of a five-star prospect. So they're getting a great player, and more importantly, they're getting a great person that I think really translates well to the program. Uh, you know, Los Angeles, I don't think it's a kid that's going to be, uh, you know, high maintenance. He's going to be able to come in, represent the university well, and, um, and he's, he's not going to be a headache for anybody. He's, he's a big-time, high-touted type, high-profile athlete that uh, you're not going to have to worry about getting in trouble or going to class or doing any of those things. So in that respect, uh, he's a win-win. He's a can't-miss because, like I said, great football player, but even if it doesn't work out in the football field, he's still going to be a pretty good uh, representative for University of Southern California as a student. All right. Uh, well, great stuff. There's a lot of uh, info on Zach Banner on uscfootball.com. And don't forget, tomorrow on Sunday Day, we'll have a ton of stuff. We'll have our class layout page where we'll show, as the fax machines start rolling, guys that sign will update that, that list all day. You'll see that'll be a little bit shorter than lists from years past because there's not as many guys. But we will keep that updated. We'll send out text alerts. So you can sign up for those on uscfootball.com. You know, follow Gerard or myself on Twitter. He's GMart Live. I'm Inside Troy. So lots of signing day coverage. We've got people at a lot of different high schools around Southern California where guys are signing. So we'll have interviews with players as they sign. Uh, there'll be some live streaming stuff going on. There's a lot going on. So definitely check out uscfootball.com for all that. And Gerard, why don't we get to some questions? You ready for some? Let's do it. All right. Here's our first one. It's uh, from SpeakPipe. It's our first recruiting question over at SpeakPipe. That's the New feature we have, if you go to peristylepodcast.com, check it out there. On the left side of the page, it says click here to leave a voicemail. You can leave it right on your computer if you have a microphone. So here's our first recruiting question from that. Hi, I had a recruiting question for Gerard. Um, I was just wondering in regards to Leonard Williams, whether he's actually down to just USC in Florida or is he still considering um, Florida State and Auburn? Um, there were some different reports out last night saying different things. And then um, if he's actually down to just USC in Florida, which school out of the two do you think has a better shot to get him at this point? Thanks. 
Good question, because there were two different reports kind of conflicting with each other. Um, the uh, Inside Gators uh, rivals Florida site uh, put out uh, a report which actually quoted Williams saying that he was down to this USC in Florida. And then uh, one of the Auburn sites came back and said no and quoted his coach saying that, no, he is still looking at Auburn, he's still looking at Florida State, and it's still a battle between four, maybe five schools. So, you know, what to believe, what to believe. From my information, I tend to believe that he is actually down to two schools and he is down to Florida and USC. It's a hard read with Leonard Williams because there, there have been really three fan bases that are very confident. Two have been overly confident. Auburn thought he was a silent commitment for a long time, and a lot of people assumed Auburn was leading for him. And then he went to Florida and went to his Florida visit, and then there was a lot of feel from the Florida guys that he was going to go to Florida too. USC has always kind of been the dark horse. But the key with USC is that he came out to his official visit, big official visit weekend, January 20th. He's originally from Southern California and still has family in Los Angeles. So he's not completely new or foreign to Los Angeles or the West Coast. We've never talked to him directly. This is really kind of an odd thing is that, you know, we've tried to contact him. We've, we've tried to, you know, have some stories on him, uh, but he's just really been impossible for us to get a hold of. He did come out over the summer for the Rising Stars camp. So like with Nelson Aguilar and Tariq McCord, you know, he went out here on his own dime, and that kind of also brings some significance into, you know, USC's chances. You know, if somebody had to put a gun to my head right now, I think you've got to give the home school the advantage. Um, I think you've got to always kind of look at that and say, okay, that's probably the school he's leaning towards. There's going to be more influence there. I certainly would not be surprised if he did commit to USC. I think USC's in a really good position for him. So we'll see. You know, we might hear some more things here over the next day, and, uh, you know, that, that kind of prediction may change. Right now, it's real close to a 50-50, and that's kind of where I would like to put it. But, you know, like I said, if you're going to put a gun to my head, you really, really want a choice. Um, I always go conservative and probably say the home school has probably got the advantage, and that would be Florida in this case. All right. Um, let's see. Greg in the OC wants to know, since Gerald Bowman was unable to academically enroll early, is his signed letter of intent voided, and does Josh Shaw take Bowman's spot counting towards the 2011 class? Yes and yes. So no... Uh, rapid, rapid fire! I like the rapid fire. But so, yeah, so basically he's not a signed commit anymore. He's a he's committed prospect, but he's not signed anymore. Correct. Um, from what I understand, talking to Gerald, uh, he had to go and have get new papers and get his paperwork kind of redone and had a meeting with Ed Ergeron um, actually just about a week ago uh, trying to sort that all out. So he actually does sign again. Um, and, I don't, and I don't know the specifics of it, if it's whether it's a, another letter of intent or he has to sign a different uh, group of financial aid papers. You know, I don't know if it's actually they rip up all of the papers that he had when he was an early enrollee, and he has to do it all over again. But I know that there are papers for him to sign still. And he told me there was a ton, a ton of people, uh, coaches and, and everybody, that once they found out he wasn't going to be an early enrollee to USC, tried to get back on him again. So he actually changed his phone number and just pretty much went underground and decided he didn't really want to deal with the recruiting process anymore. And so he's still solid with USC. 
still intends on quote unquote signing with USC, uh, you know, tomorrow. And so, you know, he's a done deal, but yeah, that, that process of actually signing, it looks like, um, to some extent it's kind of redone and he has to do it again on signing day with everybody else in the 2012 class. Josh Shaw takes that spot. He can go either or 2012 or 2011 with the numbers for 2012. Obviously, I think USC would want to put him into the 2011 class. Yeah, that would make the most sense. Um, all right, let's a question. There's something, a story that we broke on uscfootball.com. That's why you got to subscribe, man. You could read about it in the war room. And then also uh, Dan Weber put a story up on Saturday night. This is about using a, a, a new coach, Gerard, to uh, do some recruiting out there. Hey guys, it's Andrew from San Diego again. I was wondering what your thoughts were about Pat Hayden going out on the recruiting trail. Thank you. Short and sweet. Nice short question, and, and I think it's brilliant. I think it's just another example of Lane Kiffin being really resourceful. You're down a, a assistant coach, and you start to look, okay, you know, we could bring in and have a GA like Sammy Knight, which he was the guy that actually in December was out you know, doing uh, in-home visits and, and really doing on-campus visits, looking at guys like Tracy Howard and trying to get them on official visits. When it comes to the nitty-gritty of in-home visits, I think there's not many other people that you would want an in-home visit next to you other than Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron probably that could probably say more about USC and, and could articulate more about USC than Pat Hayden. And I think the fact that he comes in and just there's so there's such a rare occasion, and I think it's happened maybe once or twice before where an AD has actually hit the road as a full-time coach and gone in and done in-home visits uh, with recruits. That in itself is, is, is a big deal. You know, there's a lot of emphasis behind that. But then the fact that I think Pat Hayden um, is, is, you know, kind of a semi-celebrity because he was on, you know, TV a lot when he was with NBC doing Notre Dame games. Uh, you know, a, a guy that's obviously a, a legend with USC fans um, as a quarterback, a world scholar. There's so many different things. The list goes on and on. So him is just a presence coming in home. It, it's kind of like having another head coach. Um, you know, in-home visit, which you only get one of those. So to follow Lane Kiffin's in-home visit with Kyle Murphy, then the next week they bring in Pat Hayden. That's a pretty big one-two punch, you know, and, and doesn't mean necessarily he's going to close deals or, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a done deal that, you know, everything is successful and, and every guy that he goes in an in-home visit with, they end up signing. But I think just in terms of on paper, that's just a brilliant move. Okay, uh, thanks for that question. And the short question, we like those short ones. Uh, here's from Chuck in Newport Beach. He said, what offensive line recruits Turek, Banner, and Murphy project, he's put Murphy in uh, parentheses there, project as tackles, and then Jordan Simmons as a guard. And he said, of the 2011 recruits, Walker and Martin were projected as guards and Hobby as a center. It would appear to be an excellent young offensive line nucleus that I can remember since maybe to the mid to late 70s. Thanks, and fight on. That's from Chuck in Newport Beach. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that um, Turk probably inside guy as well. We saw uh, Simmons and Turk playing guard. I think Turk was playing left guard, and Simmons was playing right guard at the Army All-American game, and then they had uh, Kyle Murphy playing right tackle and Zach Banner playing left tackle. So um, I think that's kind of how it is going to play out in college. Turek can play any one of the five positions. He's actually played center at the Rising Stars camp, which is where he really impressed USC. We've seen him play guard at the Army All-American game. 
and we've seen him play both right tackle and left tackle every other play for Santa Margarita, which is one of the best teams in California last year. And I think it's significant to say he played those two different positions every other play. It wasn't just he played left tackle and right, te- uh, right tackle and left tackle last season. It was that he played right tackle and left tackle every couple plays. And that's really difficult. That's, there's, there's, they're different positions. It's, you know, in terms of your, your strong side and where you feel better balance-wise and, you know, footwork and all those kind of things, you know, there's definitely, you know, kids have a, a, a preference as to whether they're left tackles or right tackles. You know, you remember Tyron Smith played right tackle at USC. And it wasn't until, you know, he gets to the NFL, everybody starts talking about him being a left tackle, but he was really a right tackle uh, at USC and was a really athletic guy, but it was just because he favored that right side. So to be able to play both in a single game and do that, you know, frequently is, is pretty impressive. And I think it just kind of proves and displays the type of versatility that Max Turk has and why he is such a valuable player to that USC class. Okay, uh, let's see. Kevin wants to know two things. Are there any updates on the official visitors from the past weekend and any update on Siler Miles, who made that, that stealth official visit a couple weeks ago? Uh, Nelly, we'll talk about Nelson Aguilar. I hear he had a great official visit. Uh, kind of expected. You know, he really has, has gone to L.A. and been in L.A. Uh, three times out of the last three years now and really enjoyed it. And we hung out with Robert Woods uh, the whole weekend. And, um, you know, I think, you know, the feedback kind of from some of the players on the team is that they really like Nelson Aguilar as well. And, you know, if you watch Twitter at all, <laughs> Robert Woods was uh, kind of giving away a little bit there on Twitter and, and maybe what Nelson was thinking as far as schools. Nothing's a lock. Nothing's for sure. But USC seems to be in a really, really good position with Nelson Aguilar. I think they've been in a really good position for Nelson Aguilar for maybe more than a year. I think everybody nationally is just starting to figure it out. Um, now with Patrick McCord, from what we hear from back in Tampa, uh, you know, his coaches and some sources back there, they seem to think that really USC is too far, that the distance factor is going to be too much. I think talking to Tariq himself – I think the distance factor really isn't too much for him as it is for his mom and his family. And I think it's hard for him to, to not leave his mom and his family. It's harder for his family and his, and his mom specifically for him to leave. And, you know, that, that sometimes just, I think, plays towards the kid's head and, and he feels kind of responsible and, and um, you know, maybe the man of the house now. And I think that's really going to be a factor in his recruitment. Um, so we haven't, you know, talked to him directly yet, but the talk is that, you know, it's maybe going to be a little bit too far away from him to be able to go and sign with USC. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, it's impossible, though. You know, if there was crazy things that happened on signing day. That one wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't shock me. Manti Taylor going to Notre Dame would shock me or shocked me more than Tyreek McCord all of a sudden saying, I'm going to go to USC. That would be, you know, a mild surprise, quite frankly, because of how he's talked about USC and how articulate and specific he was about his interest in USC. Um, as far as Tyler Miles, completely dark, have not talked to him, does not answer his phone, has not called me back. Uh, he just does not really want to talk about USC. He was very apprehensive about talking about USC in detail before his visit when I spoke to him. He didn't really have a lot to say about going to USC. It was just really more, you know, Doug Nussmeyer, the former quarterback and offensive coordinator at, uh, or I said quarterback coach and offensive coordinator at Washington who left for Alabama, 
you know, that was a big deal for him to start looking around his schools. Uh, but, you know, truth be told, Steve Sarkeesian's a quarterback coach. Steve Sarkeesian is the real offensive coordinator at Washington. So as far as that offense, it's not going to change because Steve Sarkeesian is still there. My thought is that he probably sticks with Washington. Um, you know, you might hear some rumblings here. Oh, USC might be in it or not. You know, maybe they're coming back and, and, and they've got a you know, better chance than people think. There's going to be ebb and flow here. There's a little bit of that roller coaster with information and rumors that come around just before, just before signing day and just before you get announcements. I mean, shoot, we heard it right before the Zach Banner announcements. I think somebody tweeted out that according to um, you know the Fox Sports News Northwest or what have you was putting it out that uh, Zach Banner's mom and dad really didn't like Los Angeles. His mom hated Los Angeles, quote unquote. And so all of a sudden, you know, people start to go, oh, well, that's true. Well, that's, that's really not a good sign for USC because, you know, Zach Banner in his whole pre-announcement speech was talking all about families. So <laughs> he started to put two and two together and say, well, family's really important to him, and his mom hates L.A., et cetera, et cetera. But the truth of the matter is the thing that he actually told me was that uh, the, the highlight of his visit was just the fact that his parents actually enjoyed it so much and they liked USC so much. So, you know, that kind of said a lot to me about his decision and any rumors that would come around that his family really didn't want him to go far from home and there was going to be some big argument over that. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of signing day. That's kind of how this goes. There's going to be a lot of kind of little things that come along that, people are going to overreact to. And so you got to take a step back, kind of take a deep breath. And what do we say, Ryan? What do we say on the peristyle? Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. <laughs> we had a thread uh, a couple of days ago uh, where, you know, one of the, the well-known posters posted there was going to be another DeAnthony Thomas situation. And, man, it just caused a firestorm. And then later on, post, oh, false alarm, you know, it's uh, – we had a guru sighting, uh, you know, Monday night, and that was kind of an interesting thing. We actually had kind of a chat, a and I have not been in chat for, I don't know, a year and a half. I just don't really do chats. I just don't have time to do chats anymore. Usually when somebody's having a chat, we're usually doing a live show or, or something else is going on. And there was a, a chat, and I decided to go check it out and, you know, do a little chat, and it was kind of a good chat, a lot of flow, a lot of information, everybody kind of going back and forth, and a recruiting guru showed up, and, you know, we all laughed and said, yeah, that guy hasn't been around for a long time, and today, uh, you know, I go look on the message board, and last night, there's a recruiting guru post, and it's a kaboom, so, yeah. man, wow, flashbacks there, huh? That's a, yeah, that's kind of a peristyle from a couple of years ago, where he would post the kabooms, and we haven't seen them too much, so, just, there's more drama going on each time, so good stuff. We enjoy it. We like uh, everyone on the Peristyle posting stuff like that. Uh, let's go to Terry in Los Angeles with the recent news of the Rutgers head coach. Uh, take He says possibly taking the Tampa Bay job, but he actually took the Tampa Bay job. Darius Hamilton was a Rutgers lean. Anything could open up for USC in the mix for his services so late in the game? Not to my knowledge. He was... Thinking about going on an official visit to USC back in uh, December, but basically after the All-Star game had eliminated USC, and it, it seemed pretty evident from just most of his recruitment that he was looking to stay close to home, and he was looking for a reason to stay close to home. At this point, sounds like close to home might be Florida, uh, but USC is not going to be in the cards. Okay. Uh, let's see. Steve wants to know, do you think USC can get another offensive lineman? Any update on running back recruiting? 
another offensive lineman as in another guy on signing day? Yeah, I think they can. I, I think the odds are probably pretty good that they do get another offensive lineman. Running back, that's a different story. There's not a lot of great running backs out there. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the past two uh, recruiting blasts, that in terms of just um, – the makeup of running backs out there that are big backs that are guys that USC would want to, to, to recruit basically to replace Mark Tyler. That guy just doesn't exist. He, he exists on the junior college level, but I think right now USC just doesn't want to go after a junior college back that is not an early enrollee. And we've seen, you know, what non-qualifiers end up as as early enrollees. It just, they end up not early enrollees. You know, we saw it with uh, Isaiah <laughs> Wiley last year and now, you know, Gerald Bowman this year. Uh, so it kind of seems like it's 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 not going to happen. They're not going to be able to get that big running back recruit in this class. You know, there's been rumors, and again, like I said, you get little chatter here and there, and all of a sudden somebody posts on some random board, hey, I heard this guy's going to decommit and go to USC, and then bam, next thing you know, it's fact. It's happening. Right. And so, you know, we, we kind of have to take a step back and and uh, and see what goes on. I, I think right now USC is on a pretty good track. I think the coaches know who they want, and they have a feeling pretty good of who they're going to get. It's just a question of, you know, are some of those guys telling USC coaches what they want to hear? Because that's when it really comes push comes to shove. You have to go beyond just what kids are telling you these days, and you got to really be able to read the situation accurately because you can get stood up at the altar real easy these days by recruits. So, you know, like I said, a guy like Leonard Williams, that's a perfect example where it's a little eerie that there's so many programs through the recruiting process have been so confident with him. You know, Auburn fans thought, oh, he's a lock. Well, and Florida fans think he's a lock. And the USC fans are feeling, oh, we can get this guy too. So you start to wonder what he's telling people behind the scenes. Um, I think USC has a legitimate shot at him, but it's one of those things that you have to be wary of and you don't want to build expectations. Okay. Uh, Kevin in Bakersfield had a couple points. Um, wondering if you think there's any USC commits or targets that USC's recruiting, but they might be coming in being recruited as something different than what they're listed as. And then also, uh, on the, I guess it's on the same lines with the offensive line, which we kind of talked about. You can add to it if you want. Um, do you think the coaches are recruiting the, these offensive linemen for very specific positions like right tackle or left guard, things like that? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously these guys that have some height, they're all coming in to play that left tackle position. Um, you know, USC is really doesn't have a lot of depth at tackle in general. So, I mean, even the right tackle, while they've got Kevin Graff there, I think they definitely need some guys that are going to have depth there. And that will all shake out as you get in the fall camp and you get in the season. We saw a lot of movement last year with players. And, you know, uh, you know, just look at Andre Walker, how, you know, right tackle and into the guard. And he, he moved around all over the place. you got to find a fit and you got to find a comfort level there. And, you know, these kids are, like I said, all want to play that left tackle position. That's the money position uh, for USC. But as I I also said, you know, Tyron Smith was a right tackle at USC. He only became a left tackle when he got to the draft. So, you know, it's, they're in a pretty good position, USC, with recruiting these tackles because they've had such a great – they've had such a great pedigree and such a tradition of putting these guys into the pros. And then not just, you know, getting into the pros but being successful in the pros as well. Uh, in terms of, you know, positions and projecting, you know, I think it's pretty solid and pretty straightforward right now with a lot of the guys at USC recruiting. But that's definitely something to get into more detail – signing day when we actually see you know who they have what needs have actually been filled because there are so many guys here coming towards signing day um you know you just you don't really know what's going to happen with that until you know exactly what the class is 
All right, let's see. We got one more question to get to, and then I'll have one more comment for you. Uh, this is actually kind of a question I'm going to have to answer, but it's uh, Greg in the OC. Any word on how the early enrollees plus Josh Shaw plus the 2011 red shirts are doing during these training sessions? And uh, they started last week, Gerard, doing throwing sessions a couple days a week. The players go in there, and uh, you know Matt Barkley leads the way for the offense, and TJ McDonald for the defense. They get out there and throw the football around a little bit, and you get to see some of the couple of early enrollee guys. We also see saw Darius Rogers. He came out last week, Gerard. So I know I know there's been some Twitter wars or, or Twitter talk about him coming out again. Yeah, that's kind of funny because there's a little bit of uh, you know talk about him going on his gut on signing day, and you know he doesn't really know where he'd commit to right now if if it was signing day. And it kind of seems like a little bit of drama being drummed up because, on the other hand, he's on Twitter uh, reaching out to Robert Woods trying to figure out, you know, when he should come down to go work out with the team in voluntary workouts and passing sessions. So kind of wonder about that. He's, he's, he's like, hey, you know, can we come down this day and do this and do this? And the next thing he's going, you know, I'm just not sure. If it was tomorrow, was signing day, I just don't know if I go to Arizona State or USC. He's got a little bit of announcement thing on TV that he's doing and I think, you know, some of that might uh, uh, be motivating him to, to be uh, so, uh, uh, I guess, uncertain and unsure about where he's going to sign. So right now, you know, we have him in that 60% rate. Uh, you maybe bump that up to 65. You know, you, ASU's done a tremendous job of recruiting him. And Delvon Alexander, a guy that went to USC and uh, was a receivers coach at Wisconsin before getting the job at Arizona State, has done a good job in a short amount of time really trying to get his head. And, and you know, Arizona State's just kind of offering everything up they can. You know, number one jersey, and you can play right away, and you're going to catch 80 balls, you know, as a freshman, yada, yada, yada. Um, but then, you know, Rodgers has been up to USC unofficially a few times in the last week yeah. <laughs> with Robert Woods and hanging out and, and not just, you know, for throwing sessions, but just for unofficial visits too. He was there last weekend. So, yeah, you kind of have to, you know, uh, balance those two things, uh, what he's saying publicly uh, to reporters and then kind of what his actions are. But uh, back to the question, Greg, too, just to let you know, like I'll, I mentioned a couple of guys. Uh, you mentioned early enrollees. So, uh, you know, we're seeing Scott Starr out there. Uh, he's actually playing. It's, it's mostly seven on seven right now. So you're seeing the skill guys, not a lot of linemen. A couple of linemen will come out and stretch a little bit and then go over a couple of things. But it's mostly guys, you know, secondary linebackers, receivers, backs, stuff like that, quarterbacks. So we did see Scott Starr out there a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say we got to see a lot of them. I mean, they have some linebackers there already, but we got to see some and it seemed like he was moving pretty well. Uh, Josh Shaw definitely made. Uh, some great impressions out there. Uh, we had Randall Telfer on our Ustream show last week, and uh, man, he was raving. He said he caught three interceptions in that in that one uh, throwing session that he came to. I think I counted two, but you know, maybe another one I didn't see. So Josh Shaw, he looks jacked. And I mean, I didn't realize Gerard. I haven't seen him for a while, but he definitely looks like he's built pretty good. I mean, you remember him looking like that? Yeah, he's always been a really impressive, physically looking guy. Um, you know, he's got the dreads, and he's got kind of that Florida look going. But he's just a Palmdale kid. And, uh, you know, like we said before, played some safety at Florida. He feels like his best position is corner. You know, speed might be an issue there at corner, but he's going to get a look there first. And he'd be a big corner. I mean, he'd be a big guy. 
uh, that, that really USC would love to have as a corner just because they have so many small guys. They've got guys like Anthony Brown. They've got guys like Ryan Hen- um, um, Henderson. They've got guys like Kel Ropey, obviously. And, you know, size isn't everything. Um, height isn't everything in football. But it'd be nice to have a big guy like that. If he gets bumped back to safety, he's a great coverage guy. So he looks jacked and everything, but he's really more of a ball hawk, more of a guy that reads the field and plays the, the angles with the pass. And then uh, they, he asked about redshirt freshman, too, from last year. I, I guess the one guy I'd want to mention is Victor Blackwell. Yeah, I think his role is going to be a lot more important, you know, losing guys like Bryce Butler and Kyle Prater. He kind of jumps into the mix there. There's only five guys uh, on scholarship. George Farmer's coming back over, but he'll definitely play some, do some running back stuff as well. So having Victor Blackwell in there uh, could be a, a, you know, a big deal for this team. And he's looked good in these workouts so far, had some really good battles with Josh Shaw, actually. Uh, one-on-one so I think you know those three guys are guys we saw they've only been a couple of those workouts and there'll be more again this week and next week leading up into uh, spring ball which starts a little early starts uh, March 6th and then they they have it for a week then they take a week off for spring break and then they'll come back again for uh, four or five more weeks so it'll be interesting to watch all that and we'll you know we'll get a, a good chance to watch some of these workouts we do apologize we're not allowed to put up photos or videos anymore of the workouts due to a Pac-12 conference rule that we're kind of looking at and we're getting different interpretations from but it looks like you know from right now we can't do those so unfortunately we can't bring you those kind of videos but we're still out there we'll bring you video interviews and and interviews with the guys so you can check all that stuff out on uh uscfootball.com and gerard one last thing before we let you go uh i wanted to ask you about numbers wise you talked about gerald bowman he's no longer an early enrollee he's going to count if he you know if he signs with usc he's going to count towards the class of 2012 uh three kind of real early enrollees with Scott Starr uh, and Chad Wheeler, and then bringing in um, uh, Josh Shaw. He's going to count towards 2011. And then also Devontae Wilson, who gray shirted last year. He's going to count as an early enrollee guy. So those four guys are kind of in already. Um, but for the 15 that USC, you know, the sanctioned number that USC has, right now there's 10 commitments. So would that mean there's only five guys left to, to sign? Do you think they, they try to maybe get one more? Do you think they'll do a little less? What do you think is going to happen here? At the end of the day, I hear they want 20. And so obviously that math doesn't really come out to 20, but that's what I hear. And so that's kind of what I anticipate. And that's what they want to get out of this total class. And that's including the early enrollees and obviously the 15 that it would take uh, for 2012. It can only take two, 15 in 2012, but overall, with the two classes, if you will, combined, I keep hearing 20. So that's that's the number I'm thinking about and focused on. I don't care about all these other little remainders, plus one, <laughs> minus six, invisible number, whatever. That was algebra, and I didn't like algebra back then. <laughs> As a former engineer, I take offense to that because we had to do a lot of that. Calculus, all I kinds was, of stuff. Yeah, I was good at statistics, but I just didn't like algebra. When they started talking about quadratic equations and invisible numbers, I said, this is invisible, fancy bullshit. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> invisible numbers. Uh, well, I mean... Did I just curse on the private? I, I think you did. On... That's okay. We don't mind. Um, so, so we apologize out there, but it, it's... Uh... <laughs> it's the first time ever. Yeah, you, you've been usually pretty good at that. Not, not, not like we're over the air, so it's not like we're broadcasting of the broadcasting rules. Yeah. Um, Only math can make me that angry. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, do you see them, though, bringing in maybe 16 for the class of 2012, knowing that a guy could gray shirt or, uh, you know, just not make it in and, and wouldn't be part of the class? Well, they kind of sort of did that last year with Devontae Wilson. And I don't know if that was something that was discussed 
beforehand because he got hurt kind of over the summer there and then showed up in crutches uh, to <laughs> the workouts in June. And then the next thing we know, uh, he's rolled and he's not enrolled and he's gray shirting. So that was kind of a strange thing how that all kind of played out. Um, how it happens with this class, I don't know, because you figure that uh, the 15 or the latter part of this class, the 2012 part of this class, they want quality. They want guys that can be able to contribute. You can't just get a guy that you would think would great shirt. I mean, you, you, you really want guys that uh, are, are good enough to where, you know, they probably want to play right away, and they probably have an opportunity to play right away at several different places. So it's hard to conceive that. It's hard to figure that out. You know, I've heard a lot of different things. I mean, there's there's, there's been a little bit of a – a rumbling from people, and we've heard this for the past couple months, that you know USC wasn't even going to adhere to the 75. They were actually going to go for 80, and because there was you know some type of loophole with the players that had transferred, that the NCAA allowed to transfer when they came down with the bowl sanctions, and a lot of kind of weird stuff that goes on. And you know we've we've heard that before, and sometimes with that information, it leads to nowhere, and it ends up just being a bunch of smoke and no fire. But then there's been other times where somebody's been beaten the drum and there's been a little bit of rumblings and all of a sudden we start to dig a little further and the next thing you know oh well yeah USC is actually taking 35 in the 2011 class and you know that was kind of one of those things that we heard for a while and didn't really believe and all of a sudden it started happening and you're going okay wait a second how is this going to work it looks like they're actually going to try to take 35 guys so you know now you start to see the numbers they're taking and then you kind of go well how does that how does that uh, match up yeah the numbers can get uh, kind of confusing we'll see what happens there um, a lot of a lot of guys still on the board, um, so there's definitely some potential for what does this mean as far as numbers go? And, and you think Wednesday's going to come and we're going to have all the answers, but likely we won't. There'll be, there'll be some surprises. There'll be some head scratchers, and I guess it's always like that on signing day, Gerard. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like you said, you 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 know with the, with the whole total number situation, and we're going to be over seventy five. No, there's no doubt about that. There's no debate. You know, there's going to be more guys after signing day on the official USC roster as the guys that are projected as scholarships in 2012 than 75. So that's, yeah, that's where all of a sudden we continue to start to speculate. And then you go, okay, who's leaving? Are guys leaving? Like I just said, maybe maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's not as many guys leaving as uh, everybody thinks. And, and maybe that, that total number of scholarships that USC is able to have uh, is different than we've all been led to believe. So we'll see how it shakes out, man. It's, uh, you know, like I said, the light is there. Now the light is end of the tunnel. We just have to figure out if it's a freight train <laughs> or if it's a nice, warm, soothing light that we able to walk out to and get a tan in. All right. Well, Gerard, we really appreciate you taking out some time because I know this is the busiest time of year for you and your slave driver boss. Oh, wait, that's me. Sorry, but there's always so much going on. So much going on, and uh, we, we appreciate you taking out some time, and we'll keep checking on the site and see what happens tomorrow on signing day. We will. Hey, you guys, uh, just take a deep breath, hold the line, pump the brakes, whatever you want to say. should be fun tomorrow. All right. Well, thanks again, Gerard, for uh, coming in to the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you, everyone else, for tuning in. Don't forget, we, uh, we started a new podcast, uh, the, the Fourth and Goal. Um, we got Johnny Friedman doing that over there for us, so that's going to come up on uh, Thursday or Friday doing it later in the week so we've had a couple of episodes so far we'll keep integrating those into our regular podcast rotation you're getting three podcasts a week not sure if we're going to do a live show on signing day we're going to we're going to play around with that gerard what do you think 
we'll play around with it. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know either. I just, uh, I'm usually You're at what's end and yeah, scrambling everywhere. We're still trying to get a whole roster and itinerary for, you know, when everybody's supposed to announce and, and where we can get coverage of the announcement. And it's a lot of, a lot of coordination that goes into the signing day. So I don't know if we're going to be able to sit down for an hour and uh, kind of talk about what's happened. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll see what's going on there, but definitely check on the site for all of that. And uh, just want to thank everyone again for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, Trojan Recruiting Blast. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you on the next show. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.